I mentioned, we are continuing this morning our sermon series in the Habits of Grace. Last week, thank God for Mauricio coming, um, I'm sorry, Mark Anthony coming over along with uh, Mauricio leading worship. Mark Anthony, another uh, church plant apprentice at Cross Point Lake Nona came and shared the word with us last week as I was sick. I was laying on a couch uh, moaning <laughs> on Sunday morning last week, thanking God that Mark Anthony was willing to step in here and launch this series for us last week. He preached a sermon entitled Grace Gone Wild, which is certainly what we know of our God's grace. It is prodigal. It is extravagant. Um, it is wild. And um, this morning we continue in the Habits of Grace uh, series as we are going to do for the remaining weeks in January, we're going to look at the three habits now, the hearing, listening, speaking, and belonging. We're going to this morning look at what it means to listen to the voice of God as it is heard in His Word. This morning, my hope is that this is a very practical message, that there are the implications are clear, but are not a burden. The implications are that there is a great and supreme and delightful, sweet-tasting treasure that we have found in the Word. And we know it's there, and that it would be compelling to us to go and to eat, to go and to receive, to go and enjoy. And that the Lord would use this morning the preaching of 2 Timothy chapter 3, that He would use that to heighten our appetites for the Word of God this morning. And I hope that I would be able to give you a couple helps as well during the course of our study. So let's begin by this morning looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Love it if you'd open the Scriptures this morning. If you brought a Bible, if you'd uh, grab one of the paperback Bibles that are around you and turn there to 2 Timothy, you don't know where to find it, there's a table of contents. It'll help you get there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll look at verses 14 through 17 this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And we should all stand up and cheer and stuff because the kids are having a great time. We're like, verse 14, you know, <laughs> all right, um, let's read together and, and enjoy what we see and, and that the Lord would heighten our love of the word and our expectation for what he has for us as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Lord God, I pray that you would do what we long for, that you would use this word this morning to call us to continue, that you would use this word to train for righteousness, and that you would whet our appetites for something that is sweet and sure 
And Lord, that you would do more than whet our appetites for the word, but then you would accomplish what your word says for us, that we would receive the grace of knowledge and understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the great end that we would know you. Thank you, Lord. There is nothing sweeter that you could do for us this morning than that. We pray this in your name. Amen. Just a, a, a quick note about the way that we go about preaching here at Cross Point Coast and all of the Cross Point congregations. We go about preaching what we call expository messages. Now, this is an interesting thing to say in the middle of a really a topical sermon series. We're in a topical sermon series on the habits of grace, the spiritual disciplines of these three things that we believe are, are taught throughout the Word. But but even this morning, one of the, our, our dispositions is, is to, to want to exposit or to expose what is in the text of Scripture. So we find a Scripture that speaks of these things and then want to look down into it. Now, there's a lot of ways that we could preach uh, on the Word of God, on the Scriptures this morning, the ways that it's profitable, the, 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 ways, that, the ways that it's authoritative. And sure, we could do an apologetic message, lots of different ways that we could go about it. But this morning, we're going to look to a particular text in the belief and hope and expectation that the Word of God would speak more clearly, more compellingly, with greater authority, and with greater effect than anything that I could dream up during the course of my week. And so, let's keep our Bibles open. Let's see that it is exposed. Now, normally, uh, our series are what we call consecutive expository. Normally, we would open up a book of Scripture or a, a large section of Scripture and work through it in a consecutive fashion, exposing text after text and chapter after chapter. This morning, we're letting a topic guide us through the same thing, though, looking at the Word. I hope that that reality, that... That's the way that we go about our approach and expectation from the Scriptures would inform even this morning's message. Just even the practice that we do Sunday after Sunday and community group after community group would inform us as to what we believe about the Scriptures. The first thing that we see in our text this morning, and really it's, it's the heart of what this text is about. It's what the Apostle Paul is communicating to his disciple Timothy. Verse 14, But as for you, as for you, Timothy, we know that because if you look back on the previous page, chapter 1, it says, verse 2, To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I think that's important and instructive for us right there, that the Apostle Paul, writing this letter under the authority and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, expects that this would be received by Timothy, his child in the faith, and that it would not only accomplish, but be to him grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That what we are receiving this morning is to us by extension as disciples of Jesus Christ under the, this long tutelage of the apostles through the Scriptures, that it would be to us grace, mercy, and peace from God. The call this morning in verse 14 is, As for you, Timothy, 
continue. As for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have become acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. <coughs> the bottom line of the passage is a call and a pleading to continue in the Scriptures. I think the first implication, therefore, is a call to persevere. The call to the church this morning at Cross Point Coast from 2 Timothy chapter 3 is that we would persevere in the Scriptures. You know, one of the things that I hear, and I've heard throughout the whole of my life, whether it be um, as a a partner in a congregation growing up, or as a, a pastor or fellow servant in the church, one of the things that I've heard is, I feel like I don't get very much out of church. And I feel like I want to get more out of, out of my small group. And I feel like I want to get more out of this idea of getting more out of something. And I, I, want, to, I want to give you just a, a huge hint that the only way in which we are going to get more out of at Cross Point Coast, our celebration service, and our community groups, the prerequisite thing for getting more out of anything that we might have to offer as a church together would be that we would enter into the lifelong project of knowing God's voice in His Word. What is it that we talk about when we gather? We talk about the Word. And you notice I'm making a few assumptions that you might know who Timothy is. You might know who the Apostle Paul is. You might know where to find 2 Timothy. Let me tell you, if you don't know where to find 2 Timothy this morning, it's totally cool. It's okay to turn to the table of contents and go find where 2 Timothy is. But will you begin today with us and enter into a lifelong project of getting more out of the church by getting to know this book? And eventually you'll know where Second Timothy is because you've read it three times. And will you get to know the story? So when we're talking about the gospel and talking about the death of Jesus Christ, we know where to situate that in history. And when we talk about the Apostle Peter confessing the Christ like we did just a couple weeks ago, we know that who the Apostle Peter is and what we're talking about when we talk about the disciples of Jesus. It's okay if you don't know that. But the invitation is, will you enter into the lifelong project of knowing God's voice in the Word? If your struggle this morning at Cross Point Coast or in any church that you have been associated with is, I have a hard time getting a lot out of it, I'm telling you, the first and best thing that you can do is personally spend time with this book. It really is a call to continue and to persevere in continuing. And I want you to know this morning, we live in a time where, um, you know, if you have a question, you just Google it and you read an article and it told you what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it in three easy steps. And that took all of five minutes and you did it on your smartphone, maybe while driving. This is a problem. All right. That's not the way the scriptures work. And to be honest, it's not the way that anything really works. That when I say enter into a lifelong project, I mean it might take three years to finally figure out where 2 Timothy is on any sort of a consistent basis. It might take three years to, to read the whole thing for you. It might take three... It's to enter into the lifelong project because 
by grace through faith we have come to believe that there is something here that is worth our leaning into, our continuing in, our perseverance. That, Lord God, it seems that there is a gospel that's sweet, and I want to know it. The call of the passage is this, verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. I think I love that the Apostle Paul gave us this. I love that the Spirit inspired these words that we would learn and firmly believe, that we are to continue in what we have learned tells us that there is an element of this Bible imbibing that is a simple matter of information. Perhaps learning new information, perhaps remembering old information. But there is a learning that takes place when we approach the Scriptures. That the words of the Scripture, this is important for us in the age that we live, the words of the Scriptures are not some mystical sayings that we encant while something else happens or we hear some other voice. Did you hear me on that? The Scriptures, the words of the Scriptures are what we receive, that we come to know them like we come to know other words. They are not words that we simply say out loud three times slowly and then wait for some other voice to come down as we wait. Or some other experience to take place or some other thought to come into our mind. That there is a knowing, there is a learning that is necessary, just like you would expect learning to happen, like by reading and then remembering and then reading again and remembering better. It really is that simple so very often. The words of the Word are what is learned. Do you hear that? Pay attention, therefore, to the words. That's why I call you every Sunday to open up your Bibles and turn with me. And I keep leaning down and saying verse 14, and then I go and read the whole verse where I could have just read the beginning of it because I want to pay attention to the words that are there. I'll be honest, it's one of the reasons why it's a pet peeve for me when I'm in any small groups, and particularly in community groups where at Coast, we should know better, all right? And I ask a community group question, and, and I ask it, and the question's like answered there like halfway through verse three of, you know what I mean? And I ask the question, and everybody in the group room goes, hmm, hmm that's a good question. I think I'll, you know, like, what are you looking at? You're not going to find it up there somewhere. And it's not here. It's there. <laughs> Look down. You'll find it. It's really easy. You know? Like the kids in the room are better at doing it. I've watched it. The point, our, our youth community group is the best in the church when it comes to the conversations that they have around, community, uh, around the study guide because they, they have their Bibles open and they look down when a question is asked. Because there's not something that we are to dream up when we read the Bible. There is something that we're supposed to learn from the words that are there. Look down, look at the book, and learn it. But it doesn't just say that. It says, and how from childhood you have... Uh, I'm sorry, but as for you, continue in... If I would pay attention to the words that are actually there. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. See, while it is true that there is something that we have learned, our learning of the Scriptures requires a humility that we would humble ourselves before it and, and trust in those words. 
We're not learning simply information, but we're being humbled and transformed by the authority and the promise of the revelation. There's two books that are written by a man named Francis Schaeffer. And the books are these. The the titles go wonderfully together. The God who is there, and He is there and not silent. Did you know that there is a God who is there? Like as opposed to other gods that we might think maybe might be there? Gods of our own making? Gods of of our cultural imbibing? But there is a God who is actually there. And He is there and not silent. He has spoken. He has gone about self-revelation. Well, we believe Him. You see, He is the only one who has the authority to speak about Himself and to tell us who He is. And He's either telling us the truth or He's a liar. And we're stuck with that reality. And then we observe the way that He interacts with us in the world. And we watch the story that He's told throughout the Scriptures. And we watch it play out throughout history. And we see that the character that He has revealed is confirmed over and over again. And we come to firmly believe the authority of the God who is there, who is not silent, and who has spoken. You see, there is a nature to the authority of the Scriptures. that it, The authority of the Scriptures is different really than, than any other book in the world. Because the Scriptures make a claim in and of themselves to be true. They are verified not just because we find that the information is accurate, and we do, but also because the author who has written it has the authority to say so. Jesus goes around teaching, and the people observe that He speaks as one who has authority. And they listen. There's a pair of of paintings that my dad painted somewhere around college, shortly after college. And they were hanging on his bedroom wall as I was growing up, and I looked at them often. And they hold up for us this idea of of we live in an open system or a closed system. You see, one of the paintings was a crate, a box, right? A wooden crate. And it was suspended there in... Uh, on, on a black background, just of nothingness. And the, the box itself was dark. You could barely even make out that it was a box. And it was closed there. And the, the picture was that that is the entire universe. That is the entire cosmos. Everything that is, is inside the box. And if there is nothing outside of the box, it's just darkness. And the only thing that you can know is what is inside of the box. And even there, there's no light to shine upon it to give us real understanding. It's a closed system. And the people living inside the universe can know nothing about anything that is outside of it, ultimately because there's nothing outside of it. Just darkness. But then there is another painting right next to it. And it's roughly the same box, but the box has a little bit more vibrancy. To it, And there's this beautiful rainbow multi-prism colored light ray that breaks into a hole in the box. And you can see that there's light shining from within the box, but the light that shines inside the box is clearly because there's a prism of color that has entered from without. 
And here's what that, this voice that speaks from outside of creation and speaks into it. The God who is there and he is not silent, who has spoken into this created world. He does two things. He shows us the light that is outside of creation. He shows us something about the creator, about what is outside of everything that we know in here. But he also shines the light that we can understand and be given context to and understand even what is going on inside of here. He is the light of the world that brings light into the darkness. That we live not in a closed system, but by God's grace. He could have shown his light outside of creation and never broken inside the box. But by his grace, he has shown into the system. So it has become an open system that God has come and brought his word to man. And he's brought his word by means of his voice and his son. Beautiful thing that we have been given the light of Christ to show us who we are and who He is. There's a a beautiful thing, I think, that happens in the fact that we are told to continue in what we've learned and what we've firmly believed. I think that it holds out for us a a twofold way of approaching the Scriptures. Um, Often at Crosspoint, we talk about being gospel-centered and cross-centered and so on. And I'm going to just go and use the shape of the cross to help us to, to, to remember this, that we would have a cruciform Bible reading, that we would understand that there is a breadth to our reading, but there is also a depth to our reading. I often call that (coughs) the two ways in which we come to read the Scriptures for learning and for belief are content reading, that we read broadly and widely. We read whole long stories and multiple chapters in a sitting. One of my favorite things to do is open up a, a passage of Scripture like Ruth or Esther. Or if you really want a bit of a challenge and spend about an hour or two with the Scriptures, open up like Job or something and just sit down and, and, and read the whole story and take in the breadth of the story that is told. It's not impossible to read Genesis on a Saturday afternoon and see that whole story play out right before your eyes to read with a great breadth of the Scriptures. But then to stop and to pause and to think and remember and notice and go deep with the Scriptures that you find in your reading of of Genesis that something in chapter 12 caught your attention and you realized That sounds like God just gave the gospel to Abraham. I'm going to stop and I'm going to think about that. In fact, I might even memorize it. I might pay attention to the fact that it says that it's a blessing for all the families of the earth. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to stop and I'm going to go deep with that Genesis 1, chapter 12, 1, 2, and 3. I know in our household, we do that in a number of ways. This year, (coughs) we're reading through the Bible as a family. We spend about... 45 minutes or so in the morning, and we're just going to, we're pounding it. I mean, we're flying through chapters as fast as, as we can. We're taking, you know, uh, two or so chapters of Genesis and then, or uh, of the Old Testament and two or so chapters of, we're starting in the Gospel of Mark. We'll come back to Matthew later, reading about four or five chapters there. And, and we're going very broad. We want to hear the whole story in one year, right? And then each day we go and we read a psalm. We s- slow down a little bit. 
We read it a little bit more carefully. Sing a song afterward. Pray through some of that song. Reflect together. Ask, what did you notice? So right there in one sitting as a family, we're, we have a, a gospel breadth that we're imbibing from the Scriptures, a, a content reading and a meditation reading that goes deep before the Lord. That there is a learning that needs to take place and there is a believing that is being shaped in us as we go deep in the Scriptures. Let's continue to look at the passage together. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have become acquainted with the sacred writings. Whom? Now one really important note is that word whom in the text is actually plural. It's not just the Apostle Paul saying, remember what I told you. But there is a council of witnesses who have shared the truth of the Scriptures with Timothy. We're told that he learned this, first of all, from childhood. That's, again, a reminder. It's a reminder to enter into a lifelong project of knowing God's voice. You know, I, I look at the children of the congregation, and I've, I've looked at pastor's children all, along the way as I was growing up, and I thought, man, those pastor's kids, they seem to know all the answers. It's all because their dad's the pastor, you know. I, I want to I tell you something. That, that being a pastor's kid is, is actually more of a challenge than to the faith than it is an aid. And that somehow because the pastor spends time reading the Bible in his office or something like that, does not automatically make the children know anything about Jesus. Right? Anything more than just Sunday school answers. But the reason why any child, whether they be the pastor's child, whether they be a community group leader's child, whether they be a partner in the congregation's child, or a guest with us this morning, the reason why any child would know anything of the Scriptures would be because someone has brought that to them from childhood. And they've come to know it along the way. There is no replacement to being taught the Scriptures. There is no vicarious knowledge of the faith. There's no, I'll spend more time going to church. It's not going to do it. It's leaning over and getting to know the Scriptures. There is a, a from childhoodness. Now here's the deal. Some of you are walking in here and you're like, I don't have a from childhood. Someone taught me the Scriptures. Today is the day to humble yourself like a little child. And Jesus says, let the children come to me. I don't, I don't think that this is an age-discriminant issue. Today is the day to come like a little child and say, I, I don't really know. I couldn't find First Tim, Second Timothy this morning, and, and I haven't really understood most of what you said because I don't get the context and I think today is the day where someone needs to teach me from childhood and as I grow I'll grow with you and as you read I'll, I'll read with you you know Timothy he's not a pastor's kid in fact Timothy is a Gentile's kid probably the child of a pagan father and yet someone came along with him acquainted with the faith we know who they are. It's his mother and his grandmother came alongside him and gave him the Scriptures. Some of you need to humble yourselves and say, I need a mother and a grandmother to come and teach me. 
I want to call you to that because some of you have been around the church for a long time. Some of you have been around Crosspoint perhaps even for months and years. And you've learned to play the part and nod your head and say, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, Jesus, grace, Christ-centered, I confess. But you don't know the scriptures. The call this morning is just humble you. Say, look, I'm just a little child. And I have a lot to learn. I want to invite you to come and, and, and do that and cry out and listen. There are tons of mothers and grandmothers and fathers and grandfathers in the faith that would love to come alongside of you and take you just as Paul took Timothy and begin to teach you the Scriptures. These are the people, the people who begin to, to pour into the children of the faith. And you know, I think that there's an important thing that there is a pluralness to the people that one of the things I think that we need to do, especially those of you who have children, is we need to seek out for them and yourselves multiple mentors in the word. Not so much so they can have multiple perspectives on the truth, but they can have a manifold testimony about the one truth of Jesus Christ. What if the children of Cross Point Coast grew up knowing multiple people who had pointed them to the one glory of the gospel? Is that your testimony as well? Do you seek multiple mentors to pour into your life the truth of the writings of Scripture? And we're told that, the, that Timothy knew these things from the sacred writings. What a gift to know the words of the word from childhood, not just because somebody else taught you them, but because you read them. I think it's one of the mistakes that we can enter into on accident in large part because of all the resources that we have, that we give kids children's Bibles and then good Sunday school lessons as they grow and then teen devotionals. But at no point just say, look, I've got this thing, it's leather bound and all it's got is the words in it. And these words are sufficient to teach you to salvation and to coach you, to train you to righteousness. And, and I'm not waiting until my kids are 21 and don't listen to me anymore to tell them that. I'm telling them that when they're eight, nine years old. I'm, I'm demonstrating that them with that when they're four, five, and six years old. That we can go to the Scriptures. I often ask my kids this question. Would you read the Bible if I didn't make you? And why? I'm not looking for a yes or no. I'm not going to beat you over there. No. Well, you're going to anyway. (laughs) You're like, welcome to my house. (laughs) You know? But I was just wondering. And here's the real thing. Because my real question is, when you don't have to, when you're no longer in my house, why would you want to? Have you tasted Anything sweet there? Has there been anything good? Have I demonstrated for you any way to take joy in what is found in the Word? So that when it would truly become a habit of grace, that they're hooked on the sweetness of the Word of God that makes us, as the Scripture teaches, wise unto salvation, that there is a unique power and authority in the word. And and we are, we have one place, church, one place that we are told has the power to make us wise unto salvation. If you don't have that, I'm wondering what power are you banking on this morning? I want salvation. I want to know God. 
What are you banking on this morning? I'll just go back to it again. It's, it's one of the struggles as a pastor that I feel this great commission and longing that you would know God. And then I see someone that's like clearly struggling. They're like, I just don't feel connected. And I feel like I'm not getting anything out of this. And I, I'm like, and I know for a fact you're not reading the word. I'm like, I just got nothing for you. And I just won't be your vicarious reader. You know what I mean? It's only going to work so long. I won't do it for my kids and I won't do it for you. I'm telling you, this is where it is found. I'll walk with you in it. I'll read it with you. I'll share with you what I've found. But we've got to go there. It's a prerequisite really to all the habits of grace. Let's continue reading together. Verses 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Here's why I read the Word. Not just so I can be puffed up with knowledge or so that I would have some ambiguous increasing belief in God or something but so that I would know Jesus Christ and his salvation. <clears throat> Brian Chapel has this quote, so helpful. This word that is breathed out by God. What a beautiful, we often call that the inspired word. That inspire, respirate, is a breathing taking place. It's breathed out by God. Brian Chapel says this, How do we remain Christ-focused in all that we proclaim? The answer lies in the realization that all Scripture is always revealing the voice, hand, and heart of God. You hear that? All of Scripture is revealing the voice, hand, and heart of God. And when you have the voice, hand, and heart of God, friends, you have Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. How do we know that all the Scriptures are about Jesus? Because all the Scriptures are about God. And so what we get when we get the words of the Word is we are learning and increasing in faith in Jesus Christ and His Gospel. What is the sweetness to the taste of the law of the Lord? It's Jesus. That's what's sweet about it. What's beautiful and excellent about the temple? It's that Jesus made His dwelling among the people there. It's the sweetness of knowing the Word. It's that we would know Jesus as He has chosen to reveal Himself. Oh, better than chosen as He promised to reveal Himself. And one of the things, um, it, it's kind of a side note, but in, in some ways it's, it's the place where it has to be. I'm going to step aside and, and do a, maybe a, a shepherding function of a pastor, a guarding of the sheep function. And I hope you'll hear me in, in what I'm saying. This I'm not trying to pick on any one book or author but rather this is a, a one author that represents a bit of a stream. It's been around for a while, but some, I mean, it's like number one bestseller, like three of the top bestsellers in 2016 were offshoots of this book. But the book Jesus Calling by Sarah Young, some of you may be familiar. If you're not, it's okay. I'm actually very okay with that. <laughs> Here's what a publisher says about the, word, the, the book Jesus Calling. The publisher says, after many years of writing her own words in her prayer journal, 
Missionary Sarah Young decided to be more attentive to the Savior's voice and begin listening for what he was saying. Let me just pause there and say, great idea, Sarah. Great idea. That's really the call of this passage to continue. It's the call that I'm making this morning to go pay attention to the voice of the Savior. Listen to what he's saying to you. The mistake is where she goes. We have absolutely sure promise of where to go to find what she just said that she wants to do. But here's what the publisher says. <laughs> so with pen in hand, I'm like, what's she doing with a pen? You know, wrong instrument, wrong tool. You picked up the wrong thing in the office on that morning when you wanted to hear God's voice. What are you doing with a pen? She embarked on a journey that forever changed her and many others around the world. In these powerful pages are the words and scriptures Jesus lovingly laid on her heart. Words of reassurance, comfort, and hope. Words that have made her increasingly aware of his presence and allowed her to enjoy his presence. Now hear me on this. I love journaling. I think journaling is a powerful and productive habit. But it doesn't belong as a practice in this week's habit. You see, this week's habit is listening to the voice of God. And there is one place that He's promised to speak with authority and with a surety of effectiveness. Next week, when we talk about speaking to God, when we talk about prayer, when we talk about conversation with God, we, we can talk about journaling. And that journaling is, oh, may it be informed by the Scriptures. May there be more Scriptures in your journaling than there are your words. May it be so. But this is the place where we have the authoritative teaching of the Lord. And if you read the book and, and pay attention closely, knowing this background information, you'll see that it's filled with things that she puts in the mouth of Jesus that just don't quite fit the testimony of the whole story. Like it kind of fits, like maybe one verse, sort of but it doesn't share the breadth of the story that we're being called to this morning. This power of, of reassurance and comfort and hope, you know, as soon as I read those from the, the uh, I thought, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Like that is a power that is reserved for words that have already been written. And so we would, we would find reassurance, comfort, and hope in the midst of reflection upon the Scriptures. But let us not confuse things. Let us call it reflection upon the Scriptures in my journal, not listening to the words of my Savior and then penning them down. And they are profitable. It's grace. It's grace to us, grace in Christ that is being manifest to us as He is shining light into our previously closed systems, shining light into the darkness of our own hearts and the deceitfulness of our own soul. And we do so filled with faith, trusting that, Lord, what You have done in Your Word in the past, do it again. I don't feel like You did it today. So tomorrow, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go there again. And this here this past couple months, I'm just not feeling it. That's cool. I'm going to go do it again. Because you promised you would meet me in your word. And your word is authoritative. And I know I've seen you there. I want to close our time this morning. I wish I could walk through like what it means to teach, reprove, correct, train in righteousness, and so on. 
But this morning, I think you've, you've heard the call to continue to persevere. Or perhaps this morning, I want to say it again. Don't feel crushed by any of this. Perhaps the call for you is to begin. And when I talk about faith-filled reading, you're like, I don't have faith. Start reading. I'll read with you. Someone who came with you will read with you. But begin. Be, be humble enough to say, I don't know everything. And there is one who claims to know everything. And I'm going to pay attention to what he has to say. This morning I want to close with just a, a little bit of a testimony of my own experience um, in, in going to the Word. I, a lot of people will have said to me, well, you know, man, you sure seem to know a lot about the Bible. You, is that because you went to seminary? I mean, what did they teach you there? It's because you're, you're a pastor. I want to tell you that I came to know the Scriptures after seminary, like after it, like, not like during it. And I came to know the Scriptures after I became a pastor. That's not a good testimony, you know? It's a testimony of weakness. It's a testimony that I'm not, I'm not proud of. But it's a testimony of the kindness of God to give me His grace. When I was a vocational pastor, but a child in the Word. And I began a, long, a few long-term habits. I want to share with you two that I personally entered into. <clears throat> they are really reflect the breadth and the depth issues that I was talking about. These are two practices, two challenges that I'd have for you. But, but you could do, there's a ton of different Bible reading challenges that you could go about. These are two that I found to be personally very helpful. The first would be this, binge on the Bible. Did you know that if you decided to not binge on that, those couple seasons that you were planning to do over the next three months, 90 days, if you skipped that one show, you could read the entire Bible in just 90 days. In, in less time than it takes you to read that show. And I would recommend popcorn in the left hand and flip the Bible pages in the right. Okay? I mean, I'm not saying give up popcorn. I'm just saying give up the show. All right? I'm not going to go all crazy here. <laughs> so, binge on the Bible. I mean, give it a try. 90 days. Three months. A couple seasons of something that you won't even remember, and that comes with no promise. Binge on the Bible. I did that, and I tell you, I'm like, oh my goodness. There's like a storyline that's being told here. I can't tell you, I've gone back and I've binged on the Bible a few times since then. I said, man, I'm getting to know that story better and better. And it's to the point where I could tell you most of the story right here. It'd take about 90 days to do it, but I could tell you a lot of the story. For one reason only, not because I'm a pastor, but because I, I went binge reading, you know? It's not hard. <laughs> the second thing would be this. That's the breadth. If it was to call you to depth, it would be the wreck a Bible in a year challenge. All right? I, I remember I was in church, and I, I looked over, and there's this old lady. She's got her Bible open, and it's destroyed. Like, there's stuff falling all over the place. There's, like, there's writing in every single margin. There's underlining in every color under the sun. And I say, I want to be that grandma. I want to be that lady. I want her Bible. Thought about taking it. Then I remembered those scriptures, you know, and I realized, I'm, I think I'm going to have to go get one for myself. 
And so I got a Bible. This is actually one of the Bibles that I've gotten for that challenge along the way. I've taken this Wreck of Bible challenge a few times. And I just started underlining and highlighting. I carried a red marker and a yellow marker everywhere I was. And I just started underlining stuff and highlighting stuff. And I thought, if I'm going to catch up to the grandma, because something tells me she's been doing this since childhood, I'm going to go crazy. I was circling stuff. I'm like, the that's a great word. Mm, yeah, it really means that, you know, and, and I'm writing down like just words that come to mind in the margin. I've got crosses in my, mar- in my margin. Anytime it sounded like he's talking about forgiveness or grace or salvation or Jesus dying on the cross, I'm like cross in the, in the side. I'm putting big stars and I'm circling stuff and I don't even know what I'm doing except for I'm doing this one thing. I'm wrecking my Bible in a year. Well, it's, it didn't get wrecked in a year, but it's got a lot of marks in it. And I'm not a grandpa yet. But one of these days, I hope somebody looks over and sees the old man bending over his Bible. They say, I want to I wanna wreck my Bible like that guy wrecked his Bible. And I hope they see a pile of Bibles that I've gone to and done that. And, and paying attention to the words that are there. That's the call of the wreck a Bible in a year challenge. All right? Go get a Bible. Go pick one up that you've already got. And just start underlining and don't worry about it. You'll see that the Bible comes with promise and it will work the work of the Spirit unto salvation for us. I want to send us out with this quote by Jonathan Edwards. That I think that this passage in 2 Timothy is here for us that we would endeavor to promote spiritual appetites by laying yourself in the way of allurement. Go find a couple sweet verses. Go ask the old grandma, which one did you underline the most? Tell me, the, tell me where the delicacies are. I'm going to go lay myself in the way of allurement. I'm going to be coaxed in to knowing the truth that is in that word. That The call this morning for you is to continue or perhaps begin in what you have learned and firmly believed, that you might become wise for salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Heavenly Father, (coughs) the first thing we have to do is give thanks. We have to give thanks because we know you are the Creator, but you are the Creator who has spoken light into our darkness, and you have made fools wise. You've made unlearned pastors sound like the wisdom of Solomon just because you've spoken. You've taken people who are weak, people who are nothing in this world, and you've given us the wisdom of the Creator, the wisdom of the rock of ages. You've made us wise unto salvation. Thank you for these things, Lord. Let us pray that we at Cross Point would be a people of the book because we are the people of the Word that is revealed in that book. The Word of God, the person of Jesus Christ. And that we would receive grace of the Gospel in the words that we find there. <clears throat> and Lord, would you make us Gospel proclaimers that what we find would taste so sweet we got to share it with the people around us. The words of your Word would become our words. And they would start to sound sweet to neighbors and family and friends and where our words are so often deadly, nasty, they would be 
begin to be informed by other words that are life-giving and sure. And I pray that that would be so in our lives and in our households, in our communities, in our workplaces. Above all things in our hearts, to your glory and the good of your church. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.